Hey everybody, this is Pete from the Spin Rack, and we also have Calvin Ellis ready to rock. So I'm going to hand it off to the comic book hero and let him do his thing. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the great comic book sell-off of 2022. We had bonkers numbers in 2019, 2020, 2021, and for some reason, people don't like comic books anymore in 2022, and they are selling, selling, selling. Okay, guys are wringing their hands. They don't know what the hell is going on. They're running out of the market. You know, they're like, oh, Lord, why did I spend all this money on this trash? <laughs> so what are they specifically you saying they're selling everything back? Oh, not every, well, you know, most of this is getting sold back to the dealers who are going to, like, uh, hoard all the, who are going to, it's, it's, this is like trading places where these guys are going to come over, sell, sell, sell. Uh, and, yeah. Okay, then they're going to, then they're going to buy it at ridiculously, they're going to buy it at lower amounts, and it's going to come back again, and they'll sell it high. But right now, this is pretty much where it should be because you know, a lot of money was made 2019, 2020, 21. Mm-hmm. Those years, you know, or at, least, at least for me, those numbers, well, I'm a little bit different. My numbers tend to be better than market when I sell. But that's just me. I, I don't try to just move product as quickly as possible. I give it a value. I figure either I'll sell it or eventually the value will get there and I'll sell it then. Sometimes... I price it like a. I had a copy of Shuri that I had a copy of Black Panther number two. It was a nine point eight. It was signed by the cover artist. And originally, when I listed it, I think I was asking three hundred and fifty dollars. And by the time I sold it, I sold it for like close to twenty five hundred. Mm-hmm. And I got offers during that period, but I saw that the book kept trending upwards. So I said, I'm not going to sell it at this time. So. You know, you get those type of, that's usually the way that I go. But most guys are really trying to, they, they would love a 24-hour turnaround if they could. I spent 100 bucks, I put it up for 100 or I put it up for 150 I made my money back, I got some profit, good, and I'm on to the next one. But for me, that's just real tiring at the end of the day. It's easier for me to maintain an inventory. But you're getting that because a lot of the guys, 2021, 2019, 2020, because of the influx of money, the guys got through COVID. That was one, but also the time that people had. You know, they had time. There were a lot of people working from home. Uh, you didn't have inflation, so because of those things that are going on now, you don't have. You don't. Have, books are still selling. You know, I'm still making mm-hmm. good numbers, but not as quickly. Not as quickly. It's pretty much back to where it was. It's it's just not going as quickly as it was. And then you have guys who got into it because they were like, oh wow, look at all the money in, in comics. Look at all this money. You know, I'm going to get in here. But then, you know, people, unfortunately, don't realize it's not like that all the time. You know, there are certain factors that are going in here, and that's why you're making this money. So when it's not happening, you're like, oh, I just spent three grand on a collection because you're used to making that money back within, you know, 30 days, 45 days. Now it's taking you, you know, longer, 90 days, 120 days. So it becomes, look, you know, I don't know what the hell. I don't know what I'm doing. Things didn't work out the way that I wanted. I'm getting rid of all of it. And when they get rid of all of it, it tends to be at some rock. It tends to be at some some. I mean, I was going to this guy, this guy who I buy from, and he was at a show, and he was selling everything. We're talking nice books, ten dollars books. I could sell for twenty. I could easily sell for twenty or a hundred. Some really good stuff at the end of the day, and I, I took as much as I could manage, and that was the end of it. And he's an experienced seller, but when I saw that, I was like, okay, he's probably got a lot of inventory. He just needs to get rid of stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. just too much stuff, and he's got to get it done. So this has been the great sell off. Now, you know, for guys who are still buying, if you guys who are buying, like me, your buyer, you look, you say, okay, you can really get some nice deals. But the one thing that I did look at is, okay, let me look at some of the bigger books, those key books, like an Amazing Spider-Man number seven, or an Amazing Spider-Man 300, or even a book like Superman 14. Did did that fluctuate in price? No, no, still expensive, (laughs) still expensive. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole bunch of the other stuff that guys might have invested in based on the Marvel TV shows or uh, you know the upcoming Black Adam film, and they're not seeing any movement on those particular books. So they're dropping that stuff. I mean, they're, they're dropping that stuff. They're dropping some other stuff as well. But a lot of the other stuff that's really you know key, and this is the important thing, a lot the guys aren't moving their prices on it. The bigger stuff, the prices aren't moving, which shows you a real difference in the market because it used to be that, oh, this didn't hit. You know, I couldn't get 500. You know, overnight, it's down 50%, 250 and, you know, collectors would just wait until the price lowered and they would go and scoop it up. This time, the prices are actually holding firm. 
So if that happens, that's pretty good because that means that the numbers will stay where they are. And, you know, the collectability of the comic, the collectability of comics is, you know, pretty much here to stay. Otherwise, you know, it becomes like, oh man, you're going to find books that were worth 50 bucks in the quarter bin again. Some real 1990s stuff. Well, is this during this time, do you stock up a lot on stuff? Certain stuff, yes. I mean, I've been offered, I don't know how many copies, you know, like, like Amazing 300, Amazing Spider-Man 300, which is a big key. And, you know, usually if I see one or two within a year, that's a lot. But, you know, I've already seen like guys offering like five or six copies of that. That's to me. And I'm not, you know, somebody who's actively, that's not a book I actively look for. But I'll see that popping up. I'll see other books. I just picked up a whole nice run of Silver Age Spider-Man. You know, really good prices on the whole thing. And then you put them up and you uh, you wait. But uh, the, the, the biggest thing was that you got guys who came in and didn't necessarily know how it goes when it comes to selling this stuff because you know there I and mean, this was something that happened to me initially as well at one point you know we might have been making a thousand dollars a week and when that slows down to a thousand dollars a month you're like you know you start staring at your you know the ceiling while you're going to sleep like what the hell have i done mm. but one of the, one of the big changes that you'll see is like if you invested in if you speculated on a book like she hulk books you might see oh no no she hulk books moved during the show nothing yeah, and this is very different than what happened with, say, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where books were actively moving while that series was out. She-Hulk, nothing, nothing really moved. Okay, there's some stuff here and there, but nothing really moved at the end of the day. However, what you will find is after the show is over, that's when you'll see some movement. Give yourself a few, maybe like three, as much as four weeks after the show, and you'll notice a lot of the books start moving then because guys are advised. Guys are being advised, no, 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 don't buy anything while the show is out. Wait till the show after the show and then go look. So if you if you hold to your price, even after the show, that's the price for the book and you can make some money. Um, so with the D, the last question I have is with the D23, was there any spike with that happening with any of the Marvel news? Uh, No, not really. I mean... I mean, because a lot of the stuff was like, oh, we got these shows coming out. But, you know, the speculation against the TV shows is has been so hit or miss mm -hmm. that you're not seeing a lot of movement there. You are. The last thing I saw some movement on was there was an announcement that Wolverine was going to be in Deadpool. And heck, I sold the book to Rob Liefeld. I should, you know, so. OK, it may not be the actual Rob Liefeld, but I sold the book to somebody named I sold it to somebody named Rob Liefeld. So that was the last time I saw some specul uh, something that really jumped. Uh, Wolverine 150, you know, that went up. I think Wolverine 80, that also went up first uh, fight between Deadpool and Wolverine. So those sorts of books went up. But then you got to be really careful because now you decide, oh, I'm going to pick up these books based on that. Speculation with comics is usually like a 72-hour window. And the closer you get to the end of that window, the harder it is to sell that book based on speculation where it's some announcement like this. So, you know, be, you want to be careful if you're actually throwing it in. I also want to say I don't do as much comic book hero anymore because I, I, at some point I said, you know what, I, I'm helping people too much. You guys got to go out there and rough and tumble and, you know, and find this stuff out because people are taking bad advice and, you know, that affects the over and that affects the overall market. Gave people good advice, didn't want to listen. Okay, but, you know, every here and there, I think there's a good one, to, uh, a good one to put out. And this is a good one. So if you're somebody and you're serious about it, put it up okay for your price and you should really not be looking to make money on or killer money on these bigger books you should still be looking to get books you know at, at a good price that you can mark up and sell those that's where your money is going to be coming in from not well i threw five hundred dollars on these invincible books and they're not taking off I, well i guess i'm gonna have to just take a loss and sell them like no the show's not out if you buy the stuff and you can't wait for the show to come out don't buy those books Buy mm -hmm. books that you know that you can sell, you know, go for the books, you know, go roaming through those dollar bins, get yourself all the ones that you can sell for 10, you know, $10 is still, a, that's probably like the best number in comics, a $10 book, you can get 10 for it, great number. Once you start getting over that, that's more tricky unless you've got yourself established, you got a bit of the trick and the locomotive running. All right. So is there anything else you want to add to this? It's well, all the... The other thing I would tell guys, you got to be, if you have a good book, I'm pretty certain you heard the same thing. There'll be some guy at a show or some guy somewhere and he says, oh, you know what book I used to have? I used to have Incredible Hulk 181. What's the story that you always hear? Your, your mom threw it out, okay? 
or they lost it or what have you. But the worst one is the guy who, who had the book and he sold it. And when he sold it, at the time, he got $1,000 and that was top dollar. And then this guy has the nerve to say, oh, I had Hulk 181, sold it for $1,000 like back in the 90s. Oh, wish I had it now. Wish I had it now. You don't want to be that person. Okay, the guy was, oh, wish I had it now. And in this situation, a lot of times, wish I had it now is a space of six months to a year. Yeah. So if you, if you got some good stuff, don't start, well, I'm going to fire sale this whole thing. That, you know, you've got to really check your intestinal fortitude. You know, you see where your testicular strength is at at the end of the day. And don't just turn it over because, you, you know, you're, you're listening to some bad information on the show or it didn't sell right away. You have to look at the book for the value that it has. I have a copy of Giant Size X-Men number one. I've got a ridiculously high price on that book. But I, I said, look, I already know this is a short thing. As soon as, I mean, the X-Men eventually are going to come to the MCU. That's the first appearance. It's the third appearance of Wolverine. It's in really nice shape. It's not an easy book to find. I'm not going to go cheap on it. And so, you know, you'll get, you know, dealers who will try to, you know, go, you know, what's the old thing? Oh, you know. You never know. Let me try something over here. Those guys get rejected and eventually it'll be in the hands of a collector who generally wants it. But that's where you've got to be. You can't fire sale a good book. I understand that, you know, sometimes things happen. You may need to turn over and get some money. But if you're a serious seller, okay, you can't turn over a good book cheaply. You've got to get your number. You've got to get your number for that book or else it does not work. So you sell off the other stuff. Maybe, you know, some of the lighter stuff you can, you know, I need some money in. You can go light on some of the the lesser stuff that you have but the big stuff no okay that stuff gets held until you get the price that you want for it hopefully you're not asking you know some ridiculous amount of money that it's never going to get okay but for me right now like whatever the market is on giant size i know i'm asking i'm probably asking double or triple as for what it is but i know that that book is going to get there as opposed to say uh like Star, the crystal warrior and you're asking a thousand dollars for it that's never going to happen Okay, or at least you won't be alive when it happens. So if you're serious about it, you hold your number, you look for, you try to make certain that you, you know, buy books in a manner where you can have a big key and you can sell off some of the other stuff to make that money back, make some profit. And then when that book sells, it's a nice windfall for you. And you can pat yourself on the back, you know, for being smart about it. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense to get into it because, you know, comic books, not being bad. You've got to have patience. You've got to have discipline. You've got to have the right knowledge for the books, okay? Otherwise, you know, you're at the behest of a whole bunch of dealers out there who are just waiting for guys to put up books, you know, for, you know, with a one-cent auction. And then when it sells for, like, I mean, I bought a book the other day for 10 cents, mm -hmm. okay? This was a key book, okay? No, rather, it's not a key book, but it was a variant cover that other guys were asking, like, $40, $50. This guy put it up for one penny. And it ended up selling for 10 cents at the end of the day, which I just thought was ridiculous. But it's mine now, and I'm not selling it for 10 cents. So you don't want to be in that position. You don't want to be this guy, oh, I wish I had it now, okay? And you don't want to buy books to the point where you're forced to sell them because you, you didn't do it in a manner where the bigger books can wait and the smaller books are going to make your money back. But what can I say? So, you know, this, was been a, this has been a great year for me in terms of buying because everybody's been selling, and next year I'll reap the benefits of it. Well, um, what was it? I think one of the hard things I was watching, like um, Rob Liefeld with a bunch of um, comic art buyers, and they were talking, always talking about somebody else who was living in shambles to keep their original art. <laughs> I'm just like, but it's like you can't. Like, it's more important to hear. You know, not not saying you have to tell your horror stories, but when you have a group of major people in a room talking about this, saying the thing of that, like the person who sells the Hope 101 for a thousand and then the other person sells it for 2000, the person who's buying it is in the tax bracket to make that next money. And usually it won't be that much, but you'll be like, but you'll look at it and be like, well, I sold Hope 101 for 10 grand and someone just he sold it after me for 20 grand and that's terrible i could have got 20 like well no not at that point you couldn't no you were it. never going to get it <laughs> but you would you would get you would get um whatever you needed it for or whatever you use it for this is the part of the business as a seller that's what you do are you doing it to buy other things to make it in the end it works out as a <clears throat> as a seller 
or if you just need the money and you sold it that's the story rather than most people talk about i mean the hard part with a lot of the watching watching those original art guys is that they still talk about kind of keep in line of what's good and what's bad right as far as what'll sell and what'll do it's not any talking about appreciation which kind of is really sad because they look like guys that be into it but they're like hey i want to tell you some stories about what's well, only obviously rob, rob liefeld tell me let me tell you a story about burns art dealer coming on here he came in with some fantastic four but the fantastic four you know he didn't have any x-men and it's just like yo like those fantastic four they issue like um 255 I, I don't know if you remember the story but each page is like a good you know a good over well in the almost in the 10 grand to like six to seven grand stage a page so it's just like if you sat there and said hey why don't you just give me those all of that stuff for 50 bucks <laughs> let me give me three of those things and then next thing you know you're like sitting on something that you think that's not worth nothing and this is you know it's just some random ff page and now you're like wow the x-men stuff has propelled the fantastic four stuff <laughs> you know so it's kind of hard to look at a lot of people who kind of just kind of like point out what you bring up is a great point no, I said what you what you bring up is a really good point. With the you, were, I mean, you were around with me, so you know that the comic book art used to be dirt cheap. You know, th this was something you could get. You could get some really nice pages. You get really nice pages, and, and the amount of money people were paying for it is is is. is it, you look back on it now, it's like it's insane because these were one of a kind pieces, beautiful pieces from key books, and they were just being sold. Now I, I get what the guys you're talking about, where these guys are living in dilapidated homes. And they're like, no, I got to keep this art. And you're like, well, you got to keep all of it. <laughs> I'm certain there are some pieces that you might want to let go of more than others. But it's the same thing where, uh, as the story goes, at least to what I heard, there was like some you know guys were going to John Byrne and getting commissions, and then you know putting the commissions on eBay. They paid five hundred dollars for the commission, and we're asking sixty five hundred dollars on eBay. You know, so eventually that's how every you know that's how the stuff went up with uh, with comics. It's already there. You know, because comics, you know, were the uh, the forerunner to the art. So, I mean, which is crazy because you would literally have, I mean, a cover page and a splash page would have gotten top dollar. But even then, it was still ridiculously cheap in, in, in comparison. I mean, not even in comparison. It was just really undervalued. And now with the, you know, now you have the same situation with the comics where, yeah, you don't want to be like, well, you know what? I got a hole in the wall and, you know, this looks like there might be some wolves out there every night looking like they can get in here. Maybe I should, you know, get some contract in here. But no, I got to hold on to these comics. No, you got to sell them. You got to sell them, you know, if you need the money for certain things. And it's no different for me. If I get somebody who makes a good offer, I mull it over. But, you know, if, if you know, I, I can say, look, I'll take the money on this one because I know I have other stuff down the pike. I can use that. I can reinvest into some other stuff. But what you made a good point was the guy who sells for $1,000, you know, okay, depending on what time it was and and what other factors may be there. If you sell it for $1,000, all right, how much did you pay out for the book? How much went back into your pocket? And if you're a, a seller and a buyer, how much can you reinvest based on that money that you made? As opposed to the guy who waited and got his number, okay, great, he's got all of the money back, a suitable profit. And if he made enough money, he can go out there and buy more books that are higher value because he's making more money. So. You know, $10 books going through the dollar bins, I never frown on that. That's why I started. I still do that. But when you're making bigger money, you can go after bigger books. If you're, I mean, yes. I, I made this mistake yes. where I would, yes. I would bundle up books in a short box mm -hmm. at conventions. And I mean, I had some nice stuff in there. The last time I did it, I had a first appearance of Grendel, uh, first issue of Swamp Thing. It was a really nice batch. And I was struggling struggling to get money for these books mm -hmm. one was a, a variant that the guy didn't even realize it was a variant these guys were so close to the best and that's when i realized their numbers had to be a lot different than mine because i was thinking the number i priced it at i said okay this is something you should be able to get a lot of the guys don't sell online they only want to sell cash uh you know they, they they you know their profit margin isn't fair so when i learned that i said okay i'm never doing this again because I just sold off a whole bunch of stuff. And it was literally, this was 2020, 2018. And the very next year, all these books, you know, went up in, you know, went up in value. Mm -hmm. And I had most, if not all of them. And I, you know, I said, look, 
if it's a book and it's rare and I know it's going to be a hard to, you know, to find this again because it's this, uh, it's, it's this sort of a variant or it's an error copy, I'm not going cheap on it and I'm not doing that stuff again. I'm not just going to turn over books because I can make a quick killing. It also makes you dependent on these guys, which is never good. But yeah. I learned a lot from that. I said, oh, no, okay, this is how we're going to do it. You, you're going to, you know, keep and you're going to keep this in the pocket. All right. So you can make certain that uh, you can buy bigger books in the future. And you just got to be patient. I had a I'm trying to remember. I forget. Just recently, I sold this book as well. I can't remember the name of the book, but I sold it for I think I sold it for like two grand or something. I can't remember what the book was. And I don't remember exactly how long I had it up. But when it came up, a better example is I had a first appearance of World by Night, Jack Russell, Marvel Spotlight number two. And I, you know, it was bought it as a part of a bundle. So I got a bunch of books. And I think for the entire bundle, I spent about $1,000, maybe a little bit more. And I sold the World by Night book, I sold for like 1200 I sold that book after I had sold a whole bunch of other stuff. So I had already pretty much gotten the majority of the money back. And when that book came through, it was a $1,200 profit. Yeah. Okay. So I was already, I was already whole, you know, I had gotten all my money back on the smaller book. That was the profit book, 1200 pocket sum. And now I can go. And if it's a book that's out there and it's a top book, it's rare and it's 500 bucks. Hey, I can throw that down there. I've already got all my money back. I got some profit. If I want to do something else for myself with some, uh, with, you know, with some money and I can invest in a better book, which of course I'm going to put up for a good price and wait for that to sell. But this year right here, I saw a lot of guys were just like, Hey, you know what? Skies, well, comic guys, unfortunately tend to be like this toy. It's different with toys and uh, other collectibles. Well, but you know, this, this, it was the, Hey, the sky is falling. I got to get rid of this junk. Well, I always go to the original art because it's always fun listening to the comic creators when they were actually getting the art and they would just basically, um, you know, they would go over to whoever person they like, like a burn would go and be like, Hey, I want Jose, I, I need some of your art. He's I'll trade you. I'll buy whatever you want to do. Like, oh, well, let's oh, trade. Yeah. And like, and they would trade. They, they, the routinely artists was like, Hey, I like this page. Hey, I'll give it to you. Here's a Christmas present. <laughs> and the art dealers are like, what are you doing with it? The person was like, hey, Klaus, Klaus, could I get this? I really like that page. Is that one? I got to see if I, I, I somewhere in the basement. <laughs> when, when, um, yeah, I think when Burns art dealer, before he was an art dealer, it was Mike, Mike Zek's art dealer. And Mike Zek, they went over to Burns' house and um, he went and saw it and he expected it to be in like a, like some sort of pristine thing. And it was just like in the basement on like a shelf. And he kind of organized it and put it in the pile. So it's just like, it's just fun hearing the the comic artists are just like, you know, it's like, hey, <laughs> hey that, that's all your friends that's and being like, hey, can I get, take that off your head? You, you got any of your stuff? I want some of your stuff to put on my wall. He's like, you want some of my stuff? Yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> it's like, yeah, can I, what can I get of yours? Oh, I got this. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. That sort of the, thing. The funny thing is that that was the same for comics. Mm-hmm. You would have guys, I mean, these are, these, I mean, this is like around, I mean, this is still very prominent in the 90s when, you know, God, I mean, like now you get a book and it's graded and it says it's got color touch on it. Guys run around like, oh, you know, terrible. The thing is ruined. I'm like, no, if, if the top is trimmed, <laughs> okay, I can understand that. Or if somebody messed around with the staples or, you know, it's all you know, like put together with, uh, you know, with magic, with magic tape, I can understand those things. But, you know, but color touch? You know, and it's like a little light area of it that's been touched. You guys are crazy. Of course, I'll take that book. But trading was this thing that was, you know, I'll, I'll trade you this for that. And you look at, well, what did you trade? Oh, I, I traded Incredible Hulk 181 for like a long box of Superman, you know, 100 to 200. You're like, oh, yeah, you know, and you're like, like what? You know, you've got to be kidding me. You know, that's not a fair trade. You, know, you should have gotten like some other stuff. These books are dirt cheap, you know, but. It was very, you know, it was really common at the time that, you know, guys wanted to, hey, you willing to trade? And then the trades were bad <laughs> because they wanted to trade one for one. And you're like, no, my book, you know, that book is more valuable. You can't do one for one. You got to do like, you know, something where you're getting like pretty much double whatever that book is worth because that book has a lot of potential in the future where this stuff doesn't. Well, when kid, definitely when those kids trading, it was just like, here, uh, trade me this. And then sometimes you trade back for the book you had for 
<laughs> it's like, no, I want that back. I got this other book. Okay, we'll, we'll trade that back. And just like, would be no care. Just like saying, I just need this. I need these books, you know, and that sort of thing. And then of course, it, you know, like the, but yeah, I remember a short period of actually doing the trade trading, which or indoor trading with, I don't think that went on for too long. Trading with my brother, where we're just like, all right, this is in the house. Like I, I can just look at this thing right here. So when he puts Touch. it down, I was never big on trading. I always found the trading sucks. Because <laughs> well, at some point like, later, yeah, obviously you put put it in there or the, the other side of just lending them out. <laughs> I've been through through that and then like, hey, what's if Robert got all these cool comic books? I, well, what does he got? He's like a small team up. Did this, this. I was like. Come on, those are all mine. He said he wouldn't be getting comic books. I let him borrow some comic books to read and forgot. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, don't want to, he says he's not into comic books. He's like, these things here, Dennis, here, you take them. It's just like, oh, just give them. And then they just handed them back. So it's just like one of those things. But it's like, that's the other part of what you're talking about is what, you know, like Dennis was kind of trying to do to me to saying that Robert had this big time collection. And I wasn't asking him it to, um, you know, to say mine is better, just to hear what he had, you know. I just like, you know, the same instance of, you know, when we, we first kind of met Dixon and found out he had comic books to go over and read his comic books, you know. And that's all the guy at the end of my block, because he was, he was even more of a collector than this guy Ted. He's kind of like, you know, kind of weird dude, but he had comic books. He'd be like looking at the corners and the staples and all this other stuff when he'd look at your comics and this, that, and the other. And, um, but he had a collection, but he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't really let you read them. And he was only maybe, he, he was like, like the guys, he's like maybe five years older than us type of deal. So, but um, yeah, he had comic books and, and bagging them and he like, you have something and then he'd be like, oh, like, not really, you're a kid. I'm a kid reading them. I wasn't really, at that point early on, I wasn't really thinking about keeping everything in like perfect order, perfect thing. And then you start getting called out on that stuff. And I'm just like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. <laughs> so I got to get, I got to get that on that game. But that's what kind of the hard part of thinking about, um, you know, Hope 181. So luckily, if I probably did buy it, I already had the reprint, but then it, in my head, I still saying, I gotta crack this open. I gotta crack. <laughs> I gotta look at it. I gotta look at the actual one in comparison. But you know, it's a that or never go to. We talked about one Hulk anyone, and that's what my last thing I say. It's funny because whenever I go to it, I still find myself reading it and not being caught up into like other things because like Wolverine is kind of um, he's still kind of vicious. The kind of the one that burn was kind of doing like trying to get that guy with no sort of um, remorse for what he was doing when he cuts into the Wendigo. Ah, that's much better. <laughs> it's like he still got some good stuff to him where people might look. Oh, look, the costume looks funky. Oh, like um, Herb Trimpey is not in favor anymore. It's like, look, there's a whole story. The woman with the with the Hagar, the horrible hat and she's a mystery. Yeah. And and um, Paul, the guy, the kid, the guy who um, is in love with her, and is, is just chicks following around like an idiot, and then he realizes, and she don't realize it till the end. It's just like that's some powerful stuff. It's like all these supporting characters that ain't been in the book introduced in um, in one eighty. So it's like you got this whole story, which would be it was three part, you know, part of you know the two, I guess two point one parts, but um, it had all these characters that you can't really do that anymore. Where you have a character that's going to be a part of this story, and you'll basically, you know, obviously the well, Wendigo character got brought back, but that's where that's where. See, I didn't originally was not a comic seller; I was a toy seller. All right, mm -hmm. if you have to ask me, like where my heart really lies, it's toys. If I could get rid of, all, if I could sell all the comics and go back to the toys, I would do that in a heartbeat. I would still collect comics for me, okay. Mm -hmm. But the toy selling was so easy because toys, you know, toys cost more money. You mm -hmm. got to have more money to get into them. There's no quarter box of toys or dollar toy. It's just not there. You want an action figure? You gotta have like 10 bucks or better in order to get it. To start, okay? That's like a cheap one at the end of the day. But when I got into comics, I thought it would be similar to toys. Except that, uh, you know, people would buy a toy because, you know, they like this character or they like these particular figures, these particular lines. They have some chase figures here and there, but not to the extent what they have with comics. 
But when I got the comic, I was like, okay, so people are going to buy this for the stories, uh, maybe some of the cover art. And I was quickly, you know, shown, no, nobody wants any of that. I was like, what? What do you mean nobody wants any of it? It's like all these great stories. Nope, don't care, don't care. Well, what do they buy? It's got to be a first appearance or a rare issue or an error thing. And I was like, you, you're kidding me. <laughs> I was like, all these great stories and all these guys care about is how rare it is. Then I find out, oh, okay, Image Comics, you know, Wizard, you know, all this, you know, you get all this backstory and all this history and you're like, fine. But then I saw what the comic book companies did. They were like, okay, so we're just manufacturing rarity. I mean, you brought it up with, uh, was it Ultimate Spider-Man where they said, look, let's make this collectible. Let's drop the numbers on this thing. It's one thing if a book had legitimate numbers where like, if you're looking at like the last issues of World by Night where this thing is selling, I mean, it's still selling a lot for a uh, Bronze Age issue in comparison to a modern, a modern day issue. But the print run is just really low and not a lot of guys are buying it. So, okay, that's just natural what happens to a book where these guys are releasing a book at 6,000 copies, knowing that there's like a million comic readers. And then, you know, of course, you know, you know becomes something that's sought after because, you know, it's like you know, incredibly rare or 250 copies, you know, that sort of stuff. So when I came, you know, it took a while for me to, to, that was a learning curve for me. Thankfully, I got it. But to understand that, no, 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 as good as this story is and all this other type of stuff, nobody cares. All they care about, first appearance of Wolverine. Okay, that's that's it. And then, you know, with like, is this the first appearance? Because I got issue 180. He's in that one. No, no, 181 is the first appearance. I don't understand. He's right here. He talks. He's on the page. It's a full, pa- you know, it's a, it's a full panel. You know, why is this the first, why is this the first appearance and, and this one's that? Well, this, and then I would listen to these comic book answers and finally I realized, oh, okay, because this book has all the money in it. 181 has all the money in it. Nobody's, you know, there's no way, you know, th- that book is so expensive now, there's no way anybody's going to accept that as less than the first appearance. Forget about it. Nobody bought that book for 60 grand and they want to hear uh, 180 is the actual first appearance. 180 did tick up in value as it should have because, and this was another comic feature that I saw. It was the first appearance and everything else was trash. So the first appearance, 181, 60,000. Well, what about 180? You know, it actually does come first. And, you know, we got this. Ah, I'll give you 100 bucks for it. I mean, I mean, it was like wild. It was wild at that point. I can get that book for a song in a lot of instances. And I was able to, like, fill out collections with the exception of 181. I was able to fill out collections like that. And it, it, it thankfully it changed. I said this book is re- ridiculously undervalued. So it was a lot of that. There was a lot of that going on. I would always have these great debates as to why is why is Gambit this sought after character and Bishop isn't. And you know these guys would tell me, well, because of this, that, and the other. I was like, hey, it's the same thing for Bishop. Well, you know, Gambit's sort of an antihero. I was like, so is Bishop. Oh well, you know, Gambit, you know, uh, you know, came around this time. So did Bishop. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand. Why is this? I said, not that he's a more popular character. I understand that. But the value, the guys are willing to pay so much money for this character as opposed to this one, when they're pretty much along the same lines in the same tracks. It didn't really, nothing passed the smell test. Nothing passed any scrutiny. But over time, so much money is thrown into the Gambit book. There's so much money thrown into that book where you're like, okay, I spent $40 on this book. I'm not selling it for five. You know, at the very, I want to make my money back in some profit. So that happens. And then you got, of course, you have sellers who go in and they're like, look, it doesn't matter to me if, if this book, if this guy ever did anything or not, or if this even is his first appearance. I know I can get at least $60 for it because guys are always eight for this book. So you have those type of things going on with comics as well. And that's, that's changed a little because now it's not just the first appearance where you can make money on, I mean, you don't have the first appearance of the vulture. I get it. But the second appearance is is no less a rare book, you know, to be quite honest. So, you know, that shouldn't be a book, you're, you know, that shouldn't be a $50 book at the end of the day. And it actually reflects a lot of the rareness, too, now, because even a book that would be like a 2.0, you know, that type of stuff in terms of grade, you can still get some, you can still get like, you know, you know a few hundred bucks for it. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's just isn't a book that pops up on the radar. You know, guys are used to be like, oh, it's missing a chunk here. It's got some writing. I'm like, okay, do you have one? Yeah. If you have one, I get it. But if you don't have one, this is the this is the price for this right now. And if I had a better copy, I would be asking more. So those type of things, you know, I try to apply to a situation where you know you're having to sell off. It's a lot of guys who have, uh, you know, they're just selling stuff off. They need room. It's not moving as fast. And, the, you know, the profit margins are not quite, the, 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 everybody, everybody's mileage is different. Not trying to, 
uh, put myself above anybody else. But, you know, profit margins are different. And if your profit margins are different, that also means how long can you wait? If you can wait six months, a year to get your money because you got other stuff going on, then you're in a good shape. If you are somebody who needs to make money like quarterly or, or every, you know, or, you know, bi-monthly, then yeah, you're going to have to turn over some stuff, which is what happened this year. Yeah, so, I mean, um, the problem is, I think the last bit would be the guilt, the guilting you of what your price is saying, <laughs> how can you put this up? You know, like, how can you put this as that when this like, and the second appearance like is not worth it to this? And this is like, are, are you the, the comic judge of prices? Like, when did this come up? Either you can just say, hey, that's it's out of my I look at I go to comic stores and look up there and say, oh, that one is something I want. Uh, I can't do it. And then I walk out. I would be like, oh, F you. You and your bad prices. You do gouge everyone out here. It's like the the body snatch. Is it going to get you? <laughs> you run out of cars. They're selling comics way above the price. You can get it somewhere else. I don't know where. I'm not going to tell you where, but. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, well, we didn't have the internet. So people couldn't send you some nasty email saying, hey, your price is this. And nobody was going to go to a con and you know, like pick a fight with you over your price. They would just look at it and say, oh, wow. But, you know, I don't think the book is worth that. And you just move, you know, just move on. You might, you know, commiserate with your friends like, oh, man, you know, I went to the show and everything was high priced and I didn't like the condition. That was pretty much the end of it. But I had a book up with, you know, I had a book that was uh, estimated the grade on it. No problem. You know, I get an email. You've got to be crazy out of your mind that this book is this grade. And I was like, well, I don't understand. What are you using to estimate the grade? I'm using a CGC book. I was like, excuse me? I'm using a CGC book. I take a book and I put it next to the CGC book. And if it looks the same, that's the grade. I was like, I, I said, you can't estimate a book like that. CGC doesn't estimate a book like that. Mm -hmm. They don't take a book and put it next to a previous graded copy and, and say, that's a seven. You got to look at the book. Okay. You got to hold it under the light. You got to look to see if it has all the pages. And I said, like, what guide are you using? CGC has their own guide. I said, I would use like Heritage. I find that to be a really good guide at the end of the day or CBCS. What guide are you using to come to this? You're grading this just because you got a graded copy in the, in the, in the encapsulated and that's how you use it? It's like, you can't grade it like that. But that's the, that's the internet. Yeah, so um, I think, um, well, we got into some other things too, but um, that's us. This um this this market has been having its ups and downs, but uh, hopefully this will get the mile high prices down for a little while. I think they never. Got... <laughs> <laughs> I used to. I think I recently bought. I mean, not recently, but in the first in, in the last, I bought from three places. I don't remember mile high being that terrible as it is now. Now it's just like, hey, we're hoarding this stuff and we got our day job. So you want some of our comic books? You know, you're gonna pay out the nose. So that's that's the other thing, though. That's the other thing where these guys don't seem to get it, and the smarter sellers understand. If this is a book that people is sought after, and you got five, six, seven, eight, mile like comics, I can imagine how many copies they would have of a key book. I mean, yeah, they can just put the price up and just and they can wait because eventually it's gonna come around to their number. That's just the waiting game, and they can and they can afford to wait. Uh, uh, if you're a collector. You really need to understand that. Okay. You really need to understand it. Because a lot of times guys, oh, I'll wait for this, I'll wait for that. And it, no, you know, if this guy's buying up all the cheap copies, and I've done this. I've done, I had um, there was some like some books on eBay that uh, there was like a Green Lantern book that I saw. Look, this is a pretty good book. I think I can make some money here. So I looked and I saw how many copies are here? Like six copies for sale. I think somebody was asking 40, somebody was asking 50, and then the rest of them were like over a hundred. So I bought every cheap copy over there. <laughs> I bought every cheap copy, and then I put mine up for like double of what the other guy was asking at the highest price, and waited. Eventually, everything sold, and I got my money simply because you know, I, you know, I played it correctly at the end of the day. So, if you're going like, look, I'm waiting for the price to go back down. Well, if somebody goes and buys up all the cheap copies, which they're free to do, you know, it doesn't matter. You're gonna have to pay. You're gonna have to pay a high price anyway. So if you're a collector. And you should, you really need to recognize that as a collector because I still collect and I see that myself too. I'm like, well, how many copies are here? Uh, there's 10 copies. All right. What's the cheapest price? You know, $39.99. What's the next cheapest price? $79.99. So I can wait for an auction. I can wait for somebody to pick it up. And I do that. 
But I look, and if I see the auctions of, I mean, I've seen literally where they were putting up auctions, $1. And then every auction got closer and closer to the asking price of what this other guy was asking. So I said, this book is, I don't know what's going on with this book, but it's going to take off. It's not going to be a $39.99 book or anything of that nature. And the auctions are too close to the uh, asking prices here. Either I'm going to win this auction or I'm going to have to pay this price. And you got to be able to recognize that because a lot of times collectors are just like, oh, I'll wait for the price to go down. It, it, it may go down. You may get lucky on an auction or you don't really want it. And you got to be honest with yourself about that too. If the only time that you want the book is, well, I only want the book if I can get it for the price that I want, then you don't really want it. When you're willing to pay the money then you, you know, that's being asked for, then you actually want the book. I mean, in 2022, what would you think, what would you say is the best score that you had in terms of getting a book? Me? I think, um, well, I think the last time I really bought some stuff was in um, the year before at the con. That's when I really searched for stuff. Outside of that, I mean, I thought I got some Legion superheroes this year. Um, oh, I got the Silver Surfer graphic novel. Um, the, I think it's Judgment Day, and that didn't cost too much. That was like, I don't know, 30 or 40, something like that. But it had a book with it, with, but it was like a warped Punisher graphic novel with it. So it was like, I made out, I got this Punisher graphic novel. It's a little warped. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of just like something they kind of threw in with it. So I think I went on a, a, a thing of, when the last year's con, I went on this thing of getting the Silver Surfer, um, what was it? The Silver Surfer graphic novel that Jack Stanley and Jack Kirby did. Uh, at that same con, I said, I felt it was too expensive, but I was just saying, I don't know why Parable costs more in this reprinted the large hardcover edition. They're not doing anything extra with the pages, but I just needed to have it. So that was, I think that one was like, that was. That, like, but you, that one night over there, that's a really good buy. Anytime it's like one of these hard covers, it's always low printed. Most guys bonk at the price, and it's usually a really nice edition. So yeah. they don't make too many of them because they already know. Look at the price. At the price point, we're only going to sell so many of these. So it usually only gets one printing, and then later on, guys, you know, either guys said, you know what, I got some money. Let me see if I can find it now. And then when they look at the price, they're like, oh, what happened? But they still want it, or. There were guys who never knew it existed. And now they look at it and they go with it. It's the same thing for some of the numbers I see on these trades and hardbacks like that. I think the best score I made was, you know, Wallywood series, Sally Forth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always been thinking about buying that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the big one is Adam Hughes's. Yeah. It's, uh, the, Adam Hughes does a cover for issue eight. So it's, that's the big one. Yeah, yeah that's the big one. one. Yeah. Yeah, I, and uh, I usually that, um, listening at the Village Comics when it was around, I always see it and think about buying it. Yeah, yeah. So usually that book goes for that book goes for up to five hundred bucks, mm. and I got the whole set for three fifty. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I got the whole set for free three fifty. So I've been selling off one through eight, one through seven, selling them off premium each issue, and then when all those are gone, I'm still going to have the Adam Hughes. I'll still have the Adam Hughes book. I'm going to make all the money back on the one through seven books. You know, because to be honest, that's pretty much what they go for. They they range anywhere from twenty, they range anywhere from twenty to forty bucks depending on condition. So you know, I've been doing a lot of a lot more sales overseas as well. So that that actually helps out. But and I mean, it, it's been some of the overseas stuff is crazy because it'll be a trade paperback, and I'm asking sixty dollars for it, and the guy will pay sixty dollars for the book plus sixty dollars to have it shipped to him. Where, you know, I got guys here and they're like, oh, man, they're trying to nickel and dime. Can I come and pick it up from you? No, you can't come and pick it up from me. I don't know you. You can't come over here and pick up this book. But that right over there, when I see that type of demand, I said, no, everything is there. It just slows down because people don't. I mean, what? You, you got people fighting wars and, you know, prices going up. Yeah, they may not have the wherewithal, but the, de the desire for it hasn't changed. And when they get the money, they're still dropping the cash for it. You know, so, it, you know, and again, anytime I see that, I said, look, this probably still room to grow in terms of the overall market because you're still getting these because you're still getting these particular numbers. Oh, but <clears throat> oh, so that, here, was, oh, that was the, got, that was the best one I did. So I got this thing here. And um, I think this no, this one is in the mail. I got that one in the mail. Oh, the, oh, the uh, what is it? The, the, what is it? The, the ultimate cosmic experience? Yeah. And this is the I, surfer one that um the, the John I got both. Yeah. 
I'm looking for I'm looking for that in hardcover. I want to get that in hardcover one day. The yeah, Silver Circle one? That, that, this one is in, yeah, this is hardcover. That one I have, and the other one, the Ultimate Cosmic Experience. If I can get that in hardcover, I'll be really happy. Is, I had there two. One? is there one from back in the day that was a hardcover? There's a hardcover, and it just never gets on my radar, because I know I want it, but I'm never actively looking for it. And then periodically I'll remember, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I'm still looking for that hardcover. And I just don't you know, put out any feelers to let people know, hey, if you come across one, let me know. I'll buy it off of you. Well, there's one, we know there's one in the 90s, but it'd be cool to see the one if there was one in the 70s that was a hardcover. I think because it was a fireside. It was a fireside edition. Yeah. To the, to the best of my knowledge, all the fireside editions came out because Marvel was trying to treat them like books. Mm-hmm. So all the fireside editions had a hardcover release and a softcover release. Mm-hmm. All of them. So, you know, there's a hardcover edition out there. I thought I, I came pretty close to one. Because somebody had advertised it as a hardcover. And then when I got it, you know, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, it's a softcover. You still interested in it? I said, yeah, I'm interested. I'll buy it. I'll sell it. But, you know, that's not the, what I really wanted. For, that's not what I really wanted for myself. Yeah, the only, well, at the same time, I got the Silver Surfer. I got this. I just, the magazine, Spectacular Spider-Man magazine. I was just like, well, it's here. It's one of those things where you've just been sitting around and being like, but you know, the other thing, I've just been on a big kick. I know at the con, I'm going to try to get. You're pulling some up some good stuff. You know, you know the history behind the stuff. Huh? You know the, you know the history behind the uh, Spectacular Spider-Man issue right there? I only know that Romita wanted to do it. What, what's your history on it? That was actually Spider-Man's second series. Because mm-hmm. initially they were like, okay, we want to see if there's a market for Spider-Man to have another series. A Spider-Man series, not a Marvel team-up or anything of that nature, a Spider-Man series. So they put that out. And I don't remember if it was in black and white or what have you. Yeah, it was black and white, yeah. I think it did, I don't remember, it didn't do a long, I think it was like maybe three issues, five at the most. But it came out, didn't do well, and so they put that to bed. And then afterwards, I know they still did some more stuff with Marvel team-up, and then they decided, let's try again, but this time we'll do it comic book form as opposed to doing it like closer to magazine form. Mm-hmm. And they and plus those issues also had I think had like reprinted material. So they mm-hmm. came out, let's do all new material, Peter Parker Spectacular, Spider-Man, and that's where we got it. But that's actually the second a lot of people think Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man is the second series, and that's actually the second series right there. Yeah, so um yeah, but at this con I think there's a bunch of things I want to try to get, but it's just trying to fill stuff that I think I thought I had that I don't have. So it's just kind of odds and ends type of deal. But yeah. Hopefully, and more graphic novels to see. That's the kind of thing that I'm trying well, to. I would, t- get. I would tell you to roll with me, but we both know that'll change once we get to the con to get out of my way. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, it's funny because looking at the format, the last, the last, the truly last bit is getting the Alex Ross book that got got in the mail, and that's really an old classic Marvel graphic novel or even the DC ones because they just had a a slightly longer story so kind of people look at those things they're like hey it's not it's not going to be Watchmen because it's not um like 32 page like 12 32 page comics in one volume where you got you know Alan Moore being able to explore every part of the character this is like a 64 page thing some of them would be extra visual or some would just be you know just a fun story like the Hulk and Thing one which I know I think a friend of mine had, and I just read that one like every time I was at his house. So I think he had that and the She-Hulk one. And I ultimately so, bought the She-Hulk recently, but I mean, I, I read book, both of those. Hmm? What book is it that you're looking for? Um, the one, The Hulkin Thing by um, Jim Starlin and um, Bernie Wrightson, where they go to another planet and they're fighting all these weird monsters. What was it Hulkin? The, was it Hulkin Thing Big Time or something? Yeah, yeah, that, that one, that one. So when I see see that, I'm like, hmm? And you're looking for something with Alex Ross? Um, no, I have the Fantastic Four, but it, it, it's just like those graphic novels, same amount of pages. It's only a hard, it's just like the Silver Surfer one. It's just like, okay. it's that so style got, of graphic novel. I got some Alex Ross. No. I was thinking you want. I was thinking you wanted like Alex Ross's Marvels. Cause I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and I'm like, oh, you can have that. Oh yeah, I'm, no, I had definitely. I still have that one. I, I haven't gone forth to get the larger version. I'm happy with the smaller ones, and I had the comic, so I'm not. The only thing I've been kind of Alex Ross trying to think of maybe getting the Marvelocity, so I'll have his um and his Unseen, which is um to get see some of the more of his Fantastic Four things. 
But um, yeah. I'm going to probably look in to see if that, that slipcover has some of the backup drawings because this one doesn't. I might have to get that too. So, um, but yeah, it's a, but the, you know, side note, that's a big buzz thing on the, on the YouTube that at least gave us some decent numbers is really people have really commented. I think Mars said some people from his job and check that out. So it's good to see some people jazz, but you know, now it's the gripe point that has nothing to do with your comic book, comic book hero stuff. The kayfabe guys are like, he should have done it black light. The story isn't that much, blah, blah, blah. Yo, <laughs> you got them pulling out all the stops. Shut up. You make, you do better. <laughs> you do well, better. The comic guys, I mean, I sound like Batman. The comic guys are an interesting and curious <laughs> lot. So, you know, a lot of complaints. They all want the big books, don't want to spend any money. You know, everybody's an expert until they're not. You know, everybody wants the book until they open their wallet. It's just, I mean, you know, I'll say last bit as well. I was trying to say, there was like uh, these toys that got made for Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And I had got, uh, you remember the Balrog that uh, Gandalf fights in the first one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's you know, Balrog, they made this really nice, it's a big figure. Big. Like easily 24 inches, you know, in length. Easily. So which if you're a toy collector, you understand how much uh you know size because you gotta have the place to display it. So I had two of these and I realized, you know what, I don't have the place to display this whole thing. And I when I got them, I maybe spent like uh maybe a hundred or so of that. And the price had appreciated to like about a grand. Okay. It was time to sell. No arguments. <laughs> No arguments. The only thing the guy asked me, he had one request that I take it out of the box, put it into a box, and then put that back into the other one. He just had a shipping request. Other than that, these guys just literally, you know, these are toys. These are toys. Okay, they're not sculptures. Okay, they're not great. And they're not necessarily great works of art or anything of that or anything along those lines. They're toys. You take them out of the box, you pose them, or you keep them in the box and display them that way. And these guys will throw down so much money. The toy market didn't slow up at all. <laughs> There's not been no great sell-off, trust me. And then, I mean, you, you see the stuff McFarlane is doing with DC Comics? Beautiful stuff. And the guys are paying hand over fist for this stuff. And with the comic guys, you have something that is literally a mixture of art and literature. And, you know, just literally, it's just trash. <laughs> you know, it's trash unless I can get it for, you know, 10 cents and then mark it up for 200 bucks. It's so, it, it, again, it's just so interesting at the end of the day with the approach. But, you know, Comic Guys had a buyer's market for like, what, 30 years? And there was never any implosion with, uh, with toys like there were with comics or any of the other mark, uh, collectibles markets that I know of. They slowed down, but, you know, the stuff that's worth money is still worth money, unlike what was going on with the comics in the 90s. So I understand. But if you were thinking of taking part in the great 2022 sell-off, hey, Go right ahead, you know, if you want to, but my thing is, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, you want to get out of the game, get out of the game, but get out of the game slowly. You never know. You may surprise yourself on how you do in terms of your money. All right, guys, um, you know, um, subscribe, comment, please comment, and, um, you know, and like it. Like it. It'll give some sort of notification. And tell your friends. Spin a rack. Out.